Welcome to Who Killed the Radio Star. My name is Steve. Oh, and I am Tyler. Welcome back to the internet's premier exotic animal barbecue podcast, where we we give you all the dishes that are delicious. We are back for Woodstock 99, part two. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y, night, and probably also Sunday, because we don't want to do a third episode. (laughs) S-A-T-U-R. Yeah, we're not doing a third episode. Listen, there's a lot of the logistical reasons for that. Part of it is that I've been watching so much fucking Woodstock 99 shit that I, I something's happening to me, and it's not good. Are you going back in time? Are you, or did you wake up with a backwards red baseball hat and baggy jeans? <laughs> did it just transform overnight like a Nosferatu-like creature? I was watching the Limp Bizkit set on YouTube. And then it just like finished. I was like, I was like doing stuff. Like I was, you know, it was on. You weren't watching it. You were watching it. Yeah, I was tuning in for little bits. And it did the like next one. Mm -hmm. And it went to Creed. Oh. And Creed, like that set, I watched more than I'd like to admit of the Creed set. You know, (laughs) you know what? Not bad. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we gave them a lot of shit. But were they really that different than everything else since the, 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 the area at that point? They are the original Nickelback, though, aren't they? Well, they're Nickelback without the money. Like a super popular band. And the Platinum Hits. Who was derided by the rest of the world, even though they were playing the same type of music as 25 other mainstream bands. Hold on, hold on. Let's pump the brakes right now, because are you telling me that you're putting Scott Stapp right beside Chad Kroger? Are these the same person? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are these the same level? Well, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think they're almost exactly carbon clones. They're, they're really, you know, similar type of situations, I think, in a way. I don't know. I would have to, like, really dig into that. Perhaps a new episode, a new episode approaching. <laughs> well, it really is, though. Is they, Chad Kroger just got stat with a haircut? Could or, be. Or maybe they're, like, clones made from each other, like the guy from Stained. Oh, whoa. He could be one of them. Yeah. Puddle Mud guy. It's been a while. Right? All these guys are, oh, like, this is, like, Orphan Black. Right, oh, but with Chad Kroger, but, but rap rock, <laughs> new metal. <laughs> but it does, it does. I mean, it's all this episode and like Woodstock '99. All of it is like that's that's all part of it. Like the the zeitgeist of the the juice that was flowing through the culture of the people that was allowing things like like uh, well, Nickelback and Creed are sort of like post new metal. Like they were a few yeah. years like following it. But I think they were just doing a different thing and kind of like adopted aspects of new metal in order to make money, and then just went super poppy. I mean, I know Nickelback's like that for sure. Because, like, Nickelback was on a couple compilation CDs when I was growing up with, like, fucking Sepultura. Sepultura? Sepultura. Sepultura. And, and, uh, isn't that a band fully comprised of spiders, I believe? I think, I think that's what Every member is is a spider. Uh, Soulfly. Head PE. Every member is a fly. Uh, Head Head PE is like, Here's the thing. If it, anyone who doesn't know Head PE, Head PE is a new be- new metal band, and they're uh, not on the same tier as your Corns. No, they're the B team. And they're, they're maybe even a C team. Maybe, yeah. But I wonder what Head PE's thinking during Woodstock 99. I wonder what Head PE's thinking during COVID. How about <laughs> don't put a mask on or get vaccinated? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> this is hearsay. So let's get back into it. We covered Thursday, Friday. We're going to get into the rest of the weekend. But uh, a couple things is right off the top is like there's we gotta put just a content warning up here because this Woodstock ninety nine if you don't know already it is just filled with sexual assault <sighs> it's srapey srapey s apostrophe rapey srapey and a couple things to address from last episode we were calling John Shear we we're calling him John Shear the whole time but it's John Shear Shear oh, God damn it. I know, and that's on you. That's definitely on me. But here's the other thing is I called the other guy in uh, Offspring Skippy. Skippy, yeah. did you? His name is Noodles. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant Dexter Jester or whatever. Dexter Jester, there we De- go. Dexter De- Jester. Uh, Dexter Holland. Dexter Holland, thank that you. That I had. Yeah, okay. But uh, Skippy, but Skippy. He's, he's, I called Skippy. He's actually named Noodles. Uh, oh. Much like your cat. Tyler has a cat named I Noodles. I have a cat named Noodles, who is a ghost cat. She is seen for seconds at a time. Not a fan of the offspring. Not a fan. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> not. Doesn't like uh the whole Pixies 
quiet, loud, quiet thing. Not a fan. Not a fan. Gets it's jumpy. It's tough. We should have named her Jumpy. So let's get back into it. We left off with Jumpa. <laughs> Gavin Rosdale coming out and sort of just like soothing the crowd with his good looks and his rocking jams and his good vibes. Yeah, and his uh, otter-like body. When he finished, the show was done, but the people wanted to keep moving. The people wanted to keep grooving. Oh. And it moved into the rave hangar because there is a rave hangar at Woodstock '99 again. A rave hangar. This is Wood. This is a Woodstock festival. But yet we have a hangar dedicated to raves. Yep. With artists such as Moby and Fatboy Slim, top EDM artists of 1999. People are just, according to some witnesses, people are just fucking in that rave tent, just flat out. They fucking in the rave tent. It is. We will get. We'll get back to the rave tent because we're the the. Actually, yeah, we'll get back to the rave tent later. Later tonight. Later on Saturday night, I believe. It's it's not good. So Saturday morning is uh, when the first signs of like that, that this is like that. We're really in trouble here. We're going to need a bigger boat because like it's a fucking shit show. There's garbage everywhere. There's people passed out just again everywhere. No one can get shade. (laughs) They're just dying in the sun. There's no shade on Saturday. The heat just kicks in, kicks in overdrive. And humidity is rising. People are like crawling under trucks for shade, crawling under the the tractor trailers for shade. Yep, ripping apart structures. This is the beginning of structures, infrastructure starting to get ripped apart and used for little makeshift little pieces of shade. I think Mother Earth is like looking looking down. Mother Mother Sun, Sun Man, Sun Man, like Sun Man, Sun Man's looking yeah. down, going Sun Man. Here's an opportunity to wipe out a whole bunch of dummies in one shot. Oh no no no, Sun Man! No, the- no. <laughs> Let's turn up the fucking heat. I don't give a shit that it's upstate New York. You guys are gonna fry like you're on the tropics. One of the biggest issues, though, that became apparent on Saturday was that the outhouses were already not good. <laughs> Bad. Real bad. Real not good. They were all overflowing, out of commission, completely foobarred, just covered in shit. And they, like, some of them, again, for for these episodes, our sources are primarily the documentaries Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, and the HBO documentary Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. Also, the season six episode of Will and Grace, where they go to Woodstock 99. (laughs) And in these docs, there's so much footage of these outhouses. Like, they, there's a lot of, like, internal cams of the outhouses. And they're just covered in shit. Oh, yeah. Head-to-toe shit. And they're leaking. And there's big old puddles of shit water. And people are diving in it. And they're sliding in it. And they just think it's mud. That's <laughs> shit, bro. Hey, bro. Get out of the shit. You're in a bunch of shit right now. <laughs> so... On top of that, the water supplies were dwindling on Saturday. They had set up these like, little like makeshift water stations that were like little wells where you're supposed to be able to go up and like fill a water bottle up or like, I don't know, wash your face? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Put it in your butt. But people started like climbing in them and dancing around and those were those were out of commission. Yeah, they were in like, uh, they looked like, you know, they were in uh, witches' cauldrons. <laughs> They were Bugs Bunny about to get cooked in a giant pot. They were just fucking <laughs> dancing topless in these things like, Wee! And again, we have to stress how much nudity there was going on here, which isn't a bad thing. It's just like, you know, it's just that was the crowd there mature enough to even deal with such a thing. The answer is no. They got, they're hot. You're going to see some boobs. You're going to see some dicks. It's going to happen. Too many naked people. Naked people. <laughs> <laughs> There's a law of diminishing returns with naked people. You see one naked person out on the street, and you're like, "Oh, hey, look at that." Or then you go to like a nude beach, and you're like, "Oh, okay." It's a lot of nude people. Then you go to a festival with a hundred thousand people, and a third of them are naked, and you're like, "Okay, this is an entire mini city of naked people. That's too many naked people." It's scientifically proven that your brain cannot handle that much dong in one sitting. It's a lot of dong. It's a lot of dong. Have you ever been to a nude beach? I have, yeah. There's, uh, did you know there's one in Calgary? Just recently discovered this. I did not. Yeah. So, yeah. First off, like Let's said, go. You know, we could. It's not like it's pretty accessible. Except, okay, I'll get to that in a second. It's October. But <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's definitely go. not going there for like six months. But no, I went to Wreck uh, Beach in BC in Vancouver, which is a beach that is like 
outside of the laws of the land because it was something like uh it's crown land oh, this is like outlaw dongs yeah it's outlaw dongs the, the the land was crown land that was given to the university and then the beach technically falls i think on university property or something mm. it's but there's a beach reason land. that you can go naked there i mean obviously the climate of vancouver allows for it but also like it's probably too many just too many dongs it's like how weed used to be in canada where it's like everyone's smoking weed it's like what are you gonna do oh, when i went there there was arrest all of us there's a lot of shriveled up dongs Dongs are dongs, man. You gotta let them be free, especially on the beach. You could tell there's a couple guys there that if it's were allowed. Like, this is their life. Is every day they get off work and they're like, time to go back to the beach. Just my entire life is living on this goddamn nude beach with my weird looking beef jerky dick hanging out, all fucking brown and black <laughs> from the sun, shriveling up inside itself like a turtle trying to escape. And he's not listening to his dick. You gotta listen to your dick, guys. I I don't know. There is a nude beach in Calgary I just found out about recently because I had to bike through, uh, you know where Weaselhead is? Yep. <laughs> I had to bike through there. <laughs> and I was just like checking out my uh, my route and I saw a little like Google pin that said like nude beach with like two reviews by the same guy. And I clicked on it. <laughs> and like, apparently, this is the best. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Completely it's like private. A, it's, <laughs> it's like a longstanding nude area that runs on the river. Um, but... Um, then I like so I went on a deep dive. I started Googling. They have their own website that like one guy maintains. He's a real weirdo. And then I found like a re- I think there was another review from a dad who was like, it's completely unacceptable that this exists. My family and I were going for a walk and we took a wrong turn. And all of a sudden there's a bunch of naked people. This is not private property. You can't be naked in public. It was, he just got he just went off the edge. And then they built the highway. They built that new highway. It's like right beside it. So I think technically, if you're zooming down that highway, listen, how are you doing, man? You catch how are things properly. Going? Like, what's going on? You're gonna see that dong. <laughs> like, oh, I think you wanted. Like, let's get it out here. Like, you know, last week you were really emotional. I think, I think the more like this is why we can't. Why we have to wrap up this series. Like, it's affecting us. It is. Yeah, something's happening, Tyler. Well, yeah, I'm not doing good. I went. On, I went on a little bit of a time. Like, I was playing all this music for. I probably said this last. I don't remember anything about the last episode. But I was playing all this music for my coworker. You said this. Yeah. And uh, I've been doing it even more. It just, just keeps happening. Well, it just keeps going. And then he started doing it. Well, that's now that this is a problem because you're infecting him. Now he's diving in and he hates it, but he's just doing it to hate listen to it. And I just feel, uh, I feel unseen. Sounds like you fit right in at Woodstock 99. So people are pissed about the sanitary conditions on Saturday. The garbages at this point are all overflowing like every single one of them and there's not a lot of them this is like because again to cut costs it was all like outsourced of weird little subcon subcontractor companies uh who evidently all just sucked ass yeah they're all in it for the money which they i all mean, did a horrible job of course but they still mismanaged it for the most part it seems it seems like some people brought enough but for the most part it seemed a little bit more like no one was prepared <laughs> in any aspect of this event so people start, like, noticing this shit. It's it's hard to not notice it. If you had fucking eyeballs, you saw what was going on. And John Shear and... Sure. sure. John, <laughs> John Shear and Michael Lang started to get called out on it a little bit in the press conferences. And they just fucking, like... They just, like... They just let that shit fly right over their heads. Oh, they were, like... They it's were wild. Going, they were going back at other people, saying, like... I, like, there's just a few bad apples, and these reports are unfounded. And they were, like... Uh, yeah, on like, on Saturday afternoon, they are asked about, how do you think things are going? And they're, like, honestly, it's, like... It's pretty good. It's amazing. Uh, it's a little hot. <laughs> Weather's a little hotter than we expected, but, you know, what can you do? Is that the one where they brought the mayor out, and they were, like, we're gonna do this again? <laughs> no, that's on Sunday. Nothing went wrong. That's on Sunday, Before the real chaos. Like, well, but it's out. It's after the Limbiscuit chaos. So it was like it's crazy that that has happened. It just shows how oblivious they are to everything. Like they don't know what the fuck is going on. We said this last week, but this is just out of touch old white men trying to make money off of youth culture, and they don't know what is going on. And things got out of control, out of their hands, so fast that they didn't even see it. But a big part of that is that they weren't looking. Michael Ang is a weird dude too. Yeah, and he's like he he brushes so much off, and he doesn't doesn't ever really admit responsibility. He does in the documentaries, and especially in the Netflix one where he's a little older. Some of the more serious topics are brought up, but the footage from '99 itself, there's a lot of him trying to redirect. Yes, definitely. Like it's it's strange how 
it's just strange how he like he assumes culpability but in the most like passive aggressive quiet way you know he still says like it's they could have done things better but he's still still part of them that's just like for, for the most part it was a good time that's my michael lang it's pretty good so let's look at the lineup on saturday of course we have the two stages we have the west stage and the east stage let's look at the west stage first that's typically the smaller stage We'll go through them all, whether or not you know all these. I know I know about half of them. We got, in this order, Spitfire, Guster, The Bruce Hornsby Group, Everclear, Collective Soul, Los Lobos, Mickey Hart, and Planet Drum, and The Chemical Brothers. Hmm. Interesting lineup. It's super. It's, it's a crazy, it's a very strange lineup. And it's also interesting that The Chemical Brothers are not in the rave hangar. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe they are. I, but I don't think they are. Maybe they have a, have a double set kind of deal. Maybe or maybe this list is just like has it. I don't know. Has them listed as a stage, but really they were in. What is Spitfire? Oh, a political action group. Huh. And sp- so Spitfire is on. Looks like every day Spitfire opened up every mm. day, and it's a non-musical political action group trying to get that. Uh, oh, that we should have got some Spitfire action. Gun control. Um, that's the shit is like there's all this like weird stuff that i'm just trying to get into that happen in between like uh like political action groups and and comedians doing sets and yeah i think there was a i think gallagher was there smashing (laughs) smashing the world's largest beat everyone was so mad at him they're like we need food (laughs) stop smashing the food we need the watermelon give us the watermelon so not a lot going on over there but on the east stage the main stage on saturday it is big fucking names all day long. We're starting off with the tragically hip, which is honestly insane. It's it's crazy, and it is it, it's out. <laughs> watching it is kind of like watching a South Park episode or like a little <laughs> South Park bit because it's like the tragically hip goes on stage, and then all of a sudden, all these Canadians come out of nowhere, and there's this <laughs> Canadian flags, and everyone's just like, hey, 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 oh, Canada, and like all these Canadian flags are shooting up. All, all the Americans are all like, what red. the fuck is this? It's all this red in the audience all of a sudden. And uh, they do great, but, you know, it was noon on Saturday. They didn't have to deal with a lot of the aggression that was uh, and the negative energy that was to come. Do you think that Tragically Hip is the most disproportionately popular band in Canada to everywhere else? Like, the it's, ratio of fans is so overwhelmingly Canadian. There's got to be some other cases in other countries, but it is, for Canada, that's the one. It's fucking massive. That's that's the one. Well, the Tragically Hip, um, yeah, if you don't know them, I mean, they're, they're a Canadiana rock band. You know, a lot of laid-back Canadian rock. You know, a great opener, one would say, for Kid Rock. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> who is uh, Who followed the hip. Then Wyclef John, following Wyclef is Counting Crows, then the Dave Matthews Band. Weird little part in the middle here. Kind of similar to the uh, West Stage, you know? You got your Wyclef, like, just specifically Counting Crows, Dave Matthews Band, and then Atlantis Morissette is a weird three-banger for what's about to follow. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, and Atlantis, it, the whole thing makes no fucking sense. The tra- Like, the hip is, the hip and Kid Rock make no sense. Kid Rock and Wyclef make no sense. Wyclef, Counting Crows make no sense. Counting Crows, Dave Matthews, eh, I'll take it, I guess. Now Dave Matthews, Alanis Morissette, eh, I'll, eh. I'll take it. Now we're back to Limbiscuit, following Alanis Morissette people. What a, what a tonal change. And then those well, Alanis Morissette well, people must have been looking around at the end of that set, like, get me the fuck out of here. Like, do you think you went to Woodstock '99 if you're just going to see Alanis Morissette? This is a crazy thing, though. No, is that, that would if you be... were like. If you were into... That'd be pretty ironic. <laughs> shut the fuck up. If you were into... I don't know, what do you even call it? Like female... Like a Lilifair rock? Yeah, if you like, because they, it's almost like they, they chose to just sprinkle a little bit in on each day of Woodstock 99. They're really because, trying to capture 1999 in a weird way, but then, you know, do things like put fucking James Brown out there, Al Green. You know, like, but like doing on day one, you had Shell Crow. On day two, you have Alanis Morissette, and on day three, you have Jewel. Right. It's just very odd. They definitely like had a plan going in. Like this is the emerging young woman artist. Spot. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like it's a quote, like a, a quota they were trying to fill. Yeah. So a lot of like the, especially like the documentaries and show, like a lot of it just gets a little biscuit, and they're kind of just like that's it. But like 
Rage Against the Machine followed Limbiscuit, and Metallica followed Rage. Following that set, like those those crowds are fucking electrified. Yeah. And just kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah, one hundred percent. All night long. Yeah, because all told, they're on for four hours. That's a lot of anger for four hours. <laughs> and you know how many people were just up at the front that were there the entire time. Just that entire four hours just going nuts. Again, it's just this thing where there's just like, it's it's like this. It's like the room is just like f- filling with water and people are getting more and more panicked and freaking out and like, we got to fucking smash our way out of this fucking room. <laughs> and it's like more and more people are getting worked up and get they're getting more aggressive the artists a lot of them do lend to it a little bit but like most of them are just like doing what they do like yeah and that's the big argument with them biscuit is that like fred durst was just sort of being fred durst when kid rock is like kid rock's just like being kid rock but he did i do i do have a great quote from kid rock set um he said y'all want me to get political this is as political as kid rock gets Monica Lewinsky is a fucking hoe, and Bill Clinton is a goddamn pimp. Oh, that is a fucking... We should have saw it coming when he went crazy. <laughs> that is a hell of a quote. I remember people saying, like... And that's crazy that everyone's like just... That. Like, like, people would say shit like that when we were this age. And it was, it was like, oh, that's fucking immature and dumb. When you're, like, an 11-year-old saying shit like that. And you got Kid Rock out there saying it. Oh, that's not a good look. It's not good, and that but that type of shit is like what's building everyone up. Again, it was like the thing with the Offspring and the and the NSYNC uh, or the Offspring and the uh, Backstreet Boys. Yeah. And when Fred Durst comes out, he even says like, "How many of y'all like NSYNC?" Ah, fuck those ooh, guys, eh? Ooh, ooh. This general sort of attitude eventually like turns the crowd like starts to turn on on MTV, and it's kind of this like pivotal moment. In like music culture, especially like television music, the whole like MTV thing, because yeah. it's like this is really sort of when fuck MTV truly like yeah, because I think this is where they transition into like boy bands and pop music even more so than they used to have, and then that leads into like TRL, which then leads into like just reality TV and talking TV, and then they just completely phase out music like four years later. I don't know how much. MTV really knew how people were feeling. Like, I'm sure they did to a certain extent, but it's like, of course, the internet wasn't around in, like it is now. So it's like there wasn't as loud of a voice, disgruntled voice, when there's something you don't like going on. Right. And I mean, like, I mean, on some level, like, I think they must know. On some level, they must know. But now, all of a sudden, you have your, like, celebrity hosts being pelted on stage with garbage and, like, booed and screamed at. And yeah. This is something that started to happen on Saturday is that the crowd was turning on MTV specifically. There's interviews where the the people being interviewed are just sort of like, fuck you, man. Honestly, fuck you. And fuck your entire network and all the bullshit that you're doing. Like, it's fucked. <laughs> yeah. So much so that a lot of them leave. Like, Kurt Loder gets the fuck out of there. They're starting to understand. We got to get out of here. They're going to just take it all out on MTV. But then there was still a surprising amount of them that still stuck around and, like, did their job. It's true. So throughout Saturday, like it started to become clear that there was just not enough security, like maybe like pretty much like no security. It was yeah. just people wearing yellow shirts that said Peace Patrol. Yeah, they weren't like doing any security type things. It seemed they were all like twenty year olds. Yeah, free they, just, they just want a free ticket. They weren't armed with anything because Michael Lang didn't want any sort of like imposing threat. Yep, he wanted everything to be peaceful. So it's either Peace Patrol and they're just these yellow shirts. But they had no direction. They sort of just checked in, got their shirts, and disappeared. Just walked around. Matt, there's one guy in one of the documentaries who says he sold his shirt for 400 bucks. Yeah, I liked that guy. Uh, well, no, I didn't. You like him, But right? I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that story. <laughs> that anecdote was amusing. That's to the extent that I enjoyed him as a human being. It was a good idea. Except it was also a dick move. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into the fucking meat and potatoes of Saturday Woodstock 99. That is Limbiscuit set. This is the notorious one. This is when Fred Durst amped the fucking crowd up. This is when they really started ripping structures apart. They were crowd surfing on pieces of plywood. When Fred Durst came out, this is another good quote up there with, uh, Kit, with Kid Rocks. When Fred Durst came on stage, he said, This is 1999, motherfucker. Take your Birkenstocks and stick them up your fucking ass. 
Jesus Christ, did he say that? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I, had mean, write, I had to write it down verbatim. I'm, I'm sure I've seen that before. <laughs> I've watched this set, but I do not remember that. That is fucking brutal. So when they started playing break stuff, despite, as we said last episode, the song only being out for a month. Yep. The crowd just fucking went berserk. Got into it. So they started ripping pieces of plywood off of the soundstage. There was a big soundstage, big sound tower in the middle of the crowd. Huge. Terrible place to be. It's a rough place. Scary place. And they started ripping pieces of it off and surfing through the crowd on it. And we're talking like... People were saying, Wee-hoo! And hang ten, buddy. Surfing on pieces of plywood <laughs> through the crowd. We're talking like four or five people on one piece of plywood. All this like a little <laughs> dance party, a little dance platform. And how many people are just like, yeah, yeah, go get them, Fred. Woo, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Thunk. Just getting smashed in the side of the head with a floating piece of plywood. There's, there's also footage of Fred... In between, in between sets, he's looking at it and you see him clock it. You see his eyes just be like, oh, there's people surfing. And he goes, oh, you're surfing on the plywood. It's fucking tight. <laughs> he must have been so overwhelmed by that experience. Literally, like, significant other comes out a month before. And now, you know, I did a little bit more reading on this kid. Just to get more context for them, and they, they the first album was was a fairly substantial album. They, they, yes, they blew the fuck up with significant yes. other, but they wasn't their like wasn't their first album, and it also wasn't their first hit album. Like three dollar bill, y'all had some traction in circles, uh, but they're just blowing up to a whole other level right now. And Fred Durst is out there; he's probably what like twenty eight, and he's just like looking at these sea. People. You can see him when you watch it; like it's it's worth watching because you can see. In his eyes, that he's like, I can fucking control two hundred thousand people right now. <laughs> I'm gonna start. Gonna I break can do whatever stuff. I want. I can make them break everything. At this point, the the medical tent overflows. This is like shit gets out of control uh, during and after Limp Biscuit. We're talking head wounds, uh, butt blood, contusions. butt con- butt contusions. Yeah, butt contusions. Blood, blood everywhere. IVs on people for dehydration. Broken limbs. Just people laying around unconscious. Elbow syndrome. Uh, when Fred gets off stage. When Biscuit all gets off stage. They are interviewed immediately. And Fred Durst says, and I quote, Hey man, it's not our fault. I, I don't think he said hey man. He said dude. <laughs> dude. Dude, it's not our fault. Which, I don't know. I kind of agree with to well, some extent. Uh, this is the argument. This is the thing. Is like, Can you blame Fred... Can you blame Fred Durst for being Fred Durst? That's the thing. Because he was out there to do be that, Fred Durst. To be Fred Durst. He did play it up a little bit. He didn't try to calm him down. But the fact that he came out and said, you know, it's not our fault, shows where his brain is. Yeah. Like, he could have done a little bit more to calm them down. But, I mean, that's just, like, he's a wrestling character at this point. These are, these are, he still is. is. Yeah. So he can't break kayfabe and just start going up there and being like okay guys just like can we tone it down for a second like that is just completely the opposite of his character as that he's pre- that he's presented on that he's built his empire on or building his empire on so i don't know if it's like reasonable for him to go out there and be like calm down you know it's like telling snoop dog hey can you tell them to stop smoking weed weed's uh, not allowed here it's true so after limbiscuit rage against the machine plays and after rage metallica plays there's lots of violence and sexual assaults that partake throughout the entire night. Now, let's get right to it. There are multiple deaths that happen at Woodstock 1999. There's three deaths. And I mean, all things considered. All things considered, I don't know. You're starting to kind of sound like John Shear. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I've just, I, With I've the seen... level of incompetence and, yes, that's and violence mean. and... Health per- people. and safety uh, precautions that were that were there or that were overlooked. Yeah, I, I suppose we don't know the exact timeline of all of the deaths that occur, but one of them is extensively documented in the HBO documentary. He unfortunately passes during Metallica's set. Oh and, yeah, uh, that's right. He like asphyxiates or something, right? Yeah, he's overheating. He's got no water. He can't breathe. Hyperthermia 
hyperthermia. Is the right? official yes. cause of death, the I believe. Opposite of hypothermia, which is dying of too cold. Yeah. So the deaths were twenty-four-year-old David Derosia. That was Derosia. I'm gonna say Derosia. Be Derosia. Twenty-eight-year-old Tara Weaver. I'm gonna say Tara Weaver. Tara Weaver. And another 44-year-old man. I'm going to say that's a 44-year-old man. Unnamed. Uh, Tara Weaver was hit by a car while she was leaving the concert. Oh, yeah. I remember reading about that. That is just the worst way to go. You've made it through the chaos. You're finally getting the fuck out of Dodge, and you get hit by a car by some dude who's on acid. Well, this is like the guys at the people at Altamont who got ran over at their fire. Yeah. Just the worst. And the 44-year-old man suffered a cardiac arrest at his camping site. Jesus. That's also very unfortunate. And there's a lot of details that could play in that one that could make it a lot more unfortunate. We don't know what he was listening to at the time. It's all very, it's all very unfortunate. But we do know that David DeRosia, we're going to go with yours, Mm -hmm. unfortunately did succumb to hyperthermia. Also the Stop. name of Stop. a Power Rangers bad guy. We have got Hyperthermia. Tyler and I saw this movie called Tobacco Causes Coughing. Uh, smoking Causes Coughing. We saw this movie called Smoking Causes Coughing. It was good. It's something. It was that de- was it good? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's listen, people you should you should find this movie. If you've ever seen that movie Rubber about the tire, the tele- telepathic telekinetic tire that murders people. Same guy. Same director. Also, Mr. Oizo. Also, Mr. Oizo, a musician. So from we can our, put, uh, from put our this youth. In here. Yeah. yeah, this this qualifies. Flat beat by Mr. Oizo. Anyways, this movie, I I don't know what to tell you about it. It's like Power Rangers, but it's it's not at all. I, you don't want to know anything about it going in. Look, it's French. It's subtitled. It's a good movie, but like, don't come crying to me if you're like this was weird because it's <laughs> Cause fucking it is. weird. <laughs> it's definitely the type of movie I probably would have never watched unless I specifically was going to a film festival screening of it. Because you just kind of get caught up in the moment. And you're <laughs> Which like, is what we did. Yeah. You got two choices. And it's like, this one sounds better. And then you go and you're like, what a great time. But I would don't think I would like curl up on the couch and watch it on Netflix on a Saturday. Speaking of a Saturday. Ring. Saturday night. After Metallica finishes their set. Which is at like 1230. Uh, or later even. The party moves into the rave hangar. This is what you Tyler mentioned earlier. It gets real fucking greasy in there, yeah, real fast. Because I think it's already really greasy in there already. There's like it's no lights allowed in there. It's just glow sticks escalating and like throughout UV the day, lights. and then you get this crowd trying to pile in after because it's the only thing left. And that's when the shit really hits the fan. Yeah, yeah. It's like the beginning of that prodigy 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 song. Did you see the crowd of Metallica and Limp Bizkit people coming into the rave hangar? Well, it's like the thing when they're just crashing the wall of death, children bottom style into the back of the rave hangar. They're not that far off, unfortunately. <laughs> when Fatboy Slim <laughs> they came just on, start raping. Stop. <laughs> Can't be joking like that. It happened. <laughs> when Fatboy Slim came on, he was a headliner for the rave hangar. He had a he had a, a track displaying that kept saying Fat Boy Slim is fucking in heaven. Fat Boy Slim is fucking in heaven. Fat Boy Slim is fucking in heaven. Fucking in heaven. Fucking in heaven. And he comes out and he starts doing his Fat Boy Slim thing. And he's actually having a pretty good time. People are, it appears, having a good time. This is one of the most tragic documented events of Woodstock 1999. Thoroughly documented in the Netflix series Trainwreck. They start to see a van driving through the crowd moving slowly people are dancing on the van and it's just making its way through once it's identified everything is shut down fat boys set is uh shut yeah, down stop the set. they make some announcements to say hey we gotta get this van out of here security and production move in they open up the van they find an unconscious teenage girl and a man doing <laughs> up nope stop a man doing up his pants this is a real man this it's a real, real man it's a <laughs> Man doing up his pants. The guy driving the van is like zonked out of his fucking mind. This is when it became apparent of what was going on to production. To certain members of production. Of course, Michael Lang and John Scherz still kept their blindfold on. <laughs> they were eating caviar in the air traffic control tower. <laughs> they, pretty, they pretty much were. Uh, but a lot of people started seeing what was going on. 
in the morning on Sunday, it was immediately brought to question because the press had seen it. People had seen it. It was not like that shit was being hidden. Yeah, it's pretty hard to hide a van being driven through a crowd of people. But that's just one case. And there are a lot. Man, I really was hoping when they walked up to that van that I was just going to be like a 75-year-old dude going, I don't know where I am. I took the wrong turn on the way to my farm. Reality, it was much sadder. <laughs> it's way darker. They were immediately questioned about it. And they, again, just sort of... Blamed it on Fatboy Slim. Just sort of, just sort of, you know, dodged the questions. Made their way around it. People were having a good time. It's like one of the things that John Shearer is on record saying is that everyone had a great time and nothing bad happened. He said he made the comparison that because there were like 200,000 people at Woodstock 1999 that that's like a small town. And in a small town of 200,000 people over a weekend, you're going to have a couple rapes. have a couple deaths. And he literally said this in one of the docs. Yeah, yeah. When I I think I don't know, unless it's being um unless it's being over exaggerated for the purposes of the narrative. It ju- it does seem like though that there's a lot of people who have like witnessed or have accounts of people getting sexually assaulted. So it doesn't seem like it's something that's just being sensationalized for the docs. Like there's a lot of people who are interviewed and a lot of people that have like written articles through the years and stuff talking about how much they saw. So there's a lot. There was an uh a, there's a lot of low grade sexual assault. Not that there ever is really low grade. Well, because it was Woodstock, so people were taking their clothes off, taking their tops off, yeah. and men were just grabbing women's breasts just because their top was off. Yeah. They're just not like, okay. Jen, show me your tits, which is an old classic that everyone loves. Do not know how you end up in one of those chants without feeling like a complete jackass. <laughs> one of the women there started a, you know, it was 1999, so it was a, a, an online news group, mm-hmm. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for people to reach out, and if they had if they you know experienced any sexual assault if they were any victims of Woodstock 99 and she received dozens and dozens and dozens and that's of just people like writing a little in. crappy internet thing from the late 90s and they're still getting that much traction so sunday like things like so i i said saturday things like that but like sunday things were absolutely fucked it's like a war zone it is it is garbage everywhere it is people everywhere shit and piss everywhere it it's so bad that there is like a stench in the air. Uh, just like a rotten stench. Oh, just... Of human, shit. Human feces, hot piss, and body odor. There had been severe water supply issues the entire weekend, but at this point, things were dire. And corns, dreads. People Am started, I right, folks? Uh, people started smashing open the pipes to the shower stations to get water. That's right. Um, and it's like, it, it looks like those old, like, and they smash open a fire hydrant and everyone's dancing around. Yeah, like an except, old tiny cartoon. Except that it's like dirty shower water. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they had the, uh, like, what was the, it, it Netflix one, right? Had the, the um, local public health and safety inspector. Yeah. And he was testing the water. He and the water was it. testing positive for all sorts of bad stuff. Bunch of goblins in there. All drinking water across the whole facility was tested and all of it came back contaminated with fecal matter Mm, get the shit in you the runoff from the outhouses started spilling into all the water supplies spilled into the fucking broken shower drains that were shooting water everywhere making these makeshift rivers of shit that people were fucking using like goddamn slip and slides rubbing their cleaning their eyes with it there is so much footage of people at woodstock 99 rolling around in shit. In shit. And they don't realize it. And, and you're they, just allowed to you're just allowed to broadcast it. You're just allowed. It's not on pay-per-view anymore. Nope. It's this on YouTube. Bunch of idiots in their twenties rolling around in shit. Hundreds of people. And this just adds to the health concerns and the injuries. Because yep. this is when now people start going into medical with trench mouth. Yep. And they have trench mouth from fucking Having shit in their mouths, Tyler. Greasy old, greasy old trench mouth. They got, they got all the the weird ass waterborne illnesses. They're they're not doing well, and you know, there's no other real way to get water because the water is so overpriced. As I believe we mentioned last week, we must have talked about the price gouging. Um, so yeah, there's just not a lot of options for them, and you know, it's, it's that hot people are people go and drink. You got to drink. 
For anyone who doesn't know, trench mouth is a condition that causes gum bleeding, swelling, pain, and ulcers in your mouth caused by a buildup of bacteria in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. And literally, so that's literally from having shit in your mouth. So you have people who start bailing out on Sunday yeah, and going home. They're like, this is fucked. Some people are sick. Some people are injured. Some people are starving, thirsty, just completely appalled by the sanitary conditions in general. And, you know, and, and the attitude that is being portrayed by all these fucking, by all these people. So some people, a lot of people leave, but there's still like 150,000 people at that point. Okay, so let's look at the lineup on Sunday. Sunday, West Stage. We got... Spitfire, baby. Spitfire, of course. Then Mike Ness. Oh, fuck Mike Ness. Of Social Distortion. He's out there with his pompadour. Uh, Mike Ness, everyone. Following Mike Ness, we got Our Lady Peace. Oh, yeah. I've heard Taggart talking. I, I listen, used to listen on and off to Jonathan Taggart, the drummer from Our Lady Peace podcast. And he's Good podcast. How fucked it was. Rusted Root. Don't know what that is. That's a sexual thing. Seven Dust. Oh, that's one of those bands I was talking about. One of the S's. Ice Cube. Ooh, weird. Th- weird mix up again. Godsmack. Oh, I loved Godsmack. Absolutely mm. loved Godsmack. Megadeth. Oof. Look at that lineup, man. Ice Cube, Godsmack, Megadeth. That's not something you hear about because what's going on over there? I don't know. What is going on over there? I mean, they kind of nailed it with the Sunday lineup as far as longevity. I think that's the best lineup for people who are still kind of relevant now, except for maybe Seven Dust and Rusted Brute. But, you know, Godsmack turned into a whole other kind of band. Megadeth is immortal. Megadeth is immortal, yeah. Very, very strange lineup. At the same time as that, on Sunday, on the East Stage... We got Al Green opening up. Ooh, very nice. With Al Green, baby. Willie Nelson. Very nice. Brian Setzer Orchestra. Mmm, Seltzer. Everlast. Elvis Costello. Jewel. Creed. Creed. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow, Creed. Second before last, huh? They really that they're really that that popular at this point. That's oh boy. And now what's interesting is that on this set list that we're looking at. Is at the very end here, it does say TBA, set change, Jimi Hendrix. Well, yeah, because that was the whole thing was there was all these rumors going around on Sunday that someone was going to come in and play after the Chili Peppers. So I think the Chili Peppers get off early, right? I like yeah. compared to the other weeks or the weeks, the other days, they're, they're off like at like 1030 or something. Yeah, yeah. So despite like all these people leaving, there were a lot who left, but the ones who stayed were staying. Not only for the Chili Peppers, but there was like this rumor going around that there was going to be some sort of secret, secret surprise secret for after the Chili Peppers. And I like John Sure is even in there's a video clip of him saying that. Yeah. And there wasn't anything. No. But a lot of people waited around for it. The fact that there wasn't anything made them so much more pissed. Yeah, that was already a breaking point. It, things would have happened regardless, I think. But that is like a, another catalyst for even more anger and, and hate. Because what did they play? They played, uh, was it, they played Hendrix, right? They played Hendrix doing the Star Spangled Banner or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the first one? Yeah, we'll get to the Hendrix. So let's get to the, the Chili Peppers, because that's the big thing on Sunday night, is that when the Chili Peppers got on stage, that energy was was surging again. There was, like we said, there was this expectation that after the Chili Peppers, there was going to be some huge act from name. Like so many names were being thrown around from like Prince to Bob Dylan to Michael Jackson. It was all the biggest names you could think of. Chili Peppers get up there, flee completely naked. He's got his dong waving around. Anthony Kiedis is just doing his thing. Going beep bop doop dorp And also, I, I always forget his name. Was Chad Murray? Is that the drummer's name? Chad Smith. Chad Smith. He is so good. Every fucking time I watch him live, I'm just like, it's incredible what he pulls off, and just he's, he's really so good. On point. He's really good. They. So the so during their set, shit hits the fan for realsies. During there's a lot of like moving pieces. Like we could this this could be an episode of twenty four. Right, because there's a lot of moving pieces that we could have everything happening at the same time here. Because what was happening is that this is 1999, summer of 1999. Very recently, 
the Columbine shootings had happened. Yep. Yep. About three yep. months before this. Yep. So there was a nonprofit group called Spitfire. Not called nope. At Woodstock nineteen ninety nine, who were throughout the weekend handing out candles. They wanted to have a candlelight vigil at the end of the festival. Yep. For anti gun violence, for anti violence in general. At some point, it appears that Michael Lang and John Shear sort of took this as their own. I don't. It's hard to say. In what in right. in Trainwreck, it does sort of appear like they were the ones who spearheaded the who idea. Sort of spearheaded the idea, and it it almost seems like that is what the surprise was. Oh right, but it's never really explicitly said. Yeah. But I feel like that is what it was, or that or the Jimi Hendrix clip. But what happened, what ended up ultimately happening is that candles were given out to 200,000 people, 150,000 people, let's say. And in a surprising turn of events. The Chili Peppers played Under the Bridge. Perfect song to do this to. It's a great song. Everyone lit their candles up, waved them around in the air. The vigil happened, essentially. Yep. It was more of a chili pepper song, but I mean, it happened. <laughs> it happened. It was there. Well, after that happened, you still had 150,000 people now holding fire in their hands. <laughs> with the power of fire. <laughs> and most of those people were really pissed, really aggressive. A third of them just lack left of morals. And, right and let someone on fire. Didn't light people on fire, but they started lighting fires all over the site. And because of these fires popping up, the Chili Peppers were pulled off set. John Shear comes on stage with a pathetic attempt to try to calm the crowd down and stop these fires. Hey, hey guys. Hey, these are fires. Hey. Hey, can we stop it? It doesn't take long before the Peppers are back on stage for an encore. An encore which they choose they fire by say Jimmy Hendrix. They had it in the, the pocket. Before the whole time, but you watch it's that performance, it's and it's song. not like a tremendously rehearsed rendition of fire. There's and a lot of improv say, going on. You hear them say, "Do you want to do it?" They're like, like yeah. "Fuck it, yeah." <laughs> so I'm assuming they were off stage, and like we should go back out there, and we should fucking play fire by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> well, they ask Anthony Kiedis to go out and calm the crowd down, and he's like, "I can't." Oh, yeah. He's like, "I can't do that. They won't listen to me." Yeah. I'll just go play fire Let's and go there and sing fire. Instead. While they play fire, multiple more fires pop up. <laughs> this is when else. the Chili Pepper is finished. They go off stage. This is when Jimi Hendrix appears on like the jumbotron screen. Yep, just playing a little, just like noodling and like playing a Jimmy <laughs> set. And people are pissed because oh, they so pissed. they thought Prince was gonna come out. Yep, fucking Prince, man. Yep, Prince would not go near anywhere that's that covered in shit. No, definitely not. Right He's now. way too clean for that. That's the final thing that just turns this shit into fucking Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Where people are going fucking bananas. The next, like... They're, they're looting. The next, like, four hours are just chaos. <laughs> they're looting. People go scooting. crazy. Like, even if you haven't seen any of this and you don't want to watch any of these documentaries, there's YouTube footage. A couple minutes of just this chaos. It is fucking disgusting. People are looting the vendor tents. They are ripping everything apart. They rip the entire peace wall down. They're opening up ATMs. There's six ATMs in the vendor village. They crack every single one of them open. It's fucking crazy. And in the middle of all this, there's like this Mad Max, like drum. The whole weekend, there's been this drum circle of people playing on garbage cans. Just like ring a ding, 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 ding. A couple of them, like, one of them has a sign that says, like, I've been drumming for 72 hours and I won't stop. My hands hurt. They are still going. Give me Advil. They're still going in the footage of all the chaos when there's like 17 fires going around and just all of these fucking assholes running around destroying shit. In the middle, there's just people on on garbage cans. Dong 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 dong. It is out of fucking control. Doesn't take long until the state troopers show up, get everyone in line. But fuck, man, the riot gear gets broken out. That shit hits a fan so fast. Michael Lang comes down the site, ignores as much as he can, tries to just like talk his way out of it. It's a fucking shit show. 
So essentially that night, mob mentality just took over and a bunch of already privileged, fucking morally lacking assholes just went completely fucking rampant. When it was all said and done, Michael Lang and John Schur still dodge a lot of responsibility for all the chaos. Uh, blaming it on the fuck up of a small group of people and not like the whole crowd or them or anything like that. Even though they had production members sign NDAs saying that they couldn't speak a fucking word about any of it to anyone. And then, of course, in the days following, more and more women started to come forth about uh, their sexual assaults. And and specifically rapes that that took place over the weekend. This is when they did start to admit a little bit of responsibility. Now they do, you know... They do admit a lot of it, but they well, didn't not, even like John really, Sure doesn't. Michael Lang started to. They didn't even like go into damage control mode. They just went into like, no, fuck you. No, fuck you. You're wrong. Anytime anyone questions them, they're just like, no, it's not our fault. How dare you insinuate anything that we had anything to do with this? This is actually a huge success. We're doing it next week. The whole thing is just such a fucking disaster of a festival. And there's a lot of layers to it. We really encourage you guys who watch these documentaries. Oh There's man, so is there much... like one of those counter documentaries yet? I can't wait for that one. Let's bring it on. That like John Sher produces and he's like the actual story of Woodstock. <laughs> and it's like everyone had a great time. There was water everywhere. That wasn't shit. That was chocolate. I, I encourage you to watch some of the sets, some of the footage that's out there on YouTube from shitty old fucking 1999 camcorders. But it's out there and it is... It is wild. It's unsettling. We're going to leave it there. We need to put Woodstock 99 behind us because it's been in the forefront of our lives for a little too long right now. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can get in touch with us at our email, wktrspod at gmail.com. Or give me a call at 403-555. We should do this whole show like a fucking morning zoo. Oh, we should have a call-in show, and it'll just be the same one listener over and over again, really picking us apart. Like, I know who that listener would be, and listener, you know who I'm talking about. You oh, know yeah, I'm talking about you. absolutely. Um, in 1998, actually, was when uh, the uh, Sepultura album came out, and uh, so they, while they would become more popular with their third album, that is the reason they weren't on Woodstock. You gotta shut the fuck up. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next episode.